Ed Sebastian for the Metal Gods Meltdown and I'm joined tonight by Michael Effin Monroe. This is yeah. <laughs> Effin amazing to be sat here with you, you're a total legend. Oh, thank I can you. remember back in the 80s listening to Tommy Vance and listening to Hanoi Rocks and you and it's just like I'm nearly 50 and you're probably you're little, nearly 50? Li- a little bit I'm older. gonna be 57 in two days. That's unbelievable man. On Monday. That's unbelievable. Yeah man. How I'm going to be really I, stopped, I stopped counting when I was 15. So <laughs> I stopped counting when I was 21, man. on the mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask this question right away because we're talking about age. Right. You both sex symbol back in 19. Sex symbol? I used to hate that because I wanted to be, I'd rather be recognized for my singing talent, and uh, it was like sounds, sounds in 1985, the beginning of the year. Hanoi Rocks was on every, almost every, every list of, uh, even Andy wasn't even a keyboard player because of uh, Million Miles Away, it was like yeah. before Rick Wakeman, John Lord and all these people, I was like, what the hell? And then Razzle was the drummer, number five, I think, I was uh, number four singer, so I think I was number four. Then uh, the, first, the best new band were like, I think, two, and it was second on that, I think, and then we were... Uh, the uh, single and video, rap around the band and the album, uh, they're all in the list and I was uh, proud of the fact that I was also among the female singers. I was like 16 <laughs> or something, along with Cindy Lauper and all that. Yeah, and then I was the Heroes. Heroes, I was I think I was four or five or something. Clint Eastwood, you know, right at, right up there with uh, Indiana Jones and Clint Eastwood and all that. And then uh, I like the fact that Hanoi Rocks was uh, the lifestyles. You know, that was like heavy metal and you know punk or whatever. And then just Hanoi Rocks as a lifestyle. That was cool. That was, we were, we defied all categories, and I I think the genres are unnecessary and they just limit you. You know, so we did anything from punk to calypso. So that was a good thing about the band. But yeah, yeah, then there was a photo of me and I was number one in sex symbols. I was like, oh man, I was like, I never think about that stuff. I think it's a personal thing, you know. And yeah. uh, anybody who, it was just at one time Andy convinced me to take my shirt off, which uh, later on I was like, well, I had to hair up like a, like a samurai kind of thing. But I think it's immediately, as, as soon as you like take your shirt off or something, it stops being sexy right there because you're kind of like aware of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like people singing with uh, breathy, it was like, with all this, uh, you know, thinking, thinking that the girls are going to go, wow, isn't he sexy? That's, I think it's just unsexy, and, and uh, it's a, like I say, it's a personal thing, and I, uh, you know, I'm, a, you know, I'm a shy kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what, what is your secret? Though, is it still looking so good at your age now? Oh, thank you. I didn't know I looked good. Well, well, I, well I've seen a lot of people in my same age, and they, um, some people have come up to me and said, what, what's What's the matter? I mean, I'm the same age as you, and I'm all, you know, I lost my hair, I'm, I'm, I'm overweight and all, and uh, it's like, well, don't ask me. I mean, I think, well, maybe because I don't drink alcohol, that's one thing. That really does, does do a number on you. Yeah. I grew up in Finland, and I saw a lot of, lot of alkies on the streets there, you know, they're, they're, they look really rough, man. It's a heavy drug, and it's because, because it's legal, that makes it even more dangerous. People don't realize how dangerous it is. Get hooked on that shit, man. Sure. Exactly. It's good. But uh, I take care of myself, you know, I exercise just to keep in shape so I'm able to do what I do on stage. Because no one wants to see a guy with a beer got huffing and puffing the red face roll, right? And going like, oh, sweating and, you know, I mean, I sweat, but I, you know, it's a good kind of curse. I have to stay in shape in order to be able to do what I do. So, uh, it doesn't hurt, you know. Uh, yeah, so Movement yeah. is medicine.
You're here in Spain, this is a brand new festival, I think you're going to love it. It's an absolutely amazing crowd out there. Yeah. The sun's been blazing, it's been amazing. Do you? How excited, already. Uh, uh, how excited are you to be, be going out there tonight? And uh, it's really like, buzzing and... I'm very excited because I love Spain, I love the Spanish people. I think they're very kind and sincere and... And, and passionate about what they what they're into, like rock and roll. Yeah, really, they have a lot of heart. You know. Yeah. It's like too much heart. Demasiado corazón. Yeah, really. I mean, I love them. Spanish people are very kind and lovely, and they, they're really sincere and they believe in. They're getting behind something. They're really, really uh, all all out for it. You know. From, from with all, 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 all their hearts. You know? Absolutely. So I really like that that uh, kind of passion. I'm just looking at your set list and you've got, um, oh, obviously you've got Hammersmith Palais. How uh -huh. does it feel though, you've obviously played the Hammersmith Palais back in the day, how does it feel now to see so many venues closing, it's difficult isn't it, it's, a, it's really difficult to be in a band in 2019, Yeah. are you glad you sort of started when you did? Yes I am, I'm glad I lived that, that, that time period where I got to uh, see all the, you know, the time, the vinyl, vinyl times and and even CDs, I like the physical product. Yeah, I like totally. to I like to see the band I'm listening to and, and uh, read the lyrics if there are lyrics in the cover. And I don't even know how to download anything. I don't want to know because I think it's really you don't know what you're listening to, and it's, it's kind of like it, it's a drag that it's, all the, the radios have the playlists and they just play the most recent stuff that's not necessarily by any means the best kind of music. Like. I used to laugh, and, and when I lived in New York City, I, MTV used to have that. that. Once, once in a while, they had this, the best songs of all time, the 100 best songs of all time. Yeah. And then they played every, all this uh, crap that they've been playing like for the past year, year and a half. Like, that's the best songs of all time. I think if they're called MTV, Music TV, they're, they should have a, they have a responsibility to educate people about good music and where it comes from. And you know, in the beginning, when they started, it was like all these cool songs, like Don Henley, Boys of Summer, you know, that video, that was really cool. And music was still pretty good, you know. Because people were, it, it's not, I must say, it's not, a, I don't think it's a sign of aging uh, to say that things were better before. They just were, because people were making music for, this, for, for the sake of being, making music. And, exactly. and not thinking like, how are we going to market this, how much is yeah. this going to sell, what genre is this going to be. Uh, you know, grunge or punk or heavy metal or whatever. I mean, uh, hip hop. Or, you know, I think it's really unnecessary to to categorize music. I was always against that. I think Hanoi Rocks. One of the greatest things about Hanoi Rocks was we defied all categories. Like I said, we played anything from punk to calypso, anything. Keep your mind open. Uh, mind works best when it's open, like a parachute. <laughs> so then, uh, to me, I think it's uh, times have changed. You know, and you know, people. I like melodies in songs. Mm -hmm. That yeah. makes you remember them, and that sort of you know tells you can tell one song from the other. Yeah. Now there nowadays, the past couple of years, I see people like sampling some old song or whatever that's already been a hit. So yeah. it's a pretty pretty sure thing that, uh, to bet on. And then they talk over a drum beat, and then they have some kind of melody on the chorus. Somebody is sort of singing it, and uh, it's either that or then. A lot of noise and people growling, Satan and hell and death, and, you know. So, and I still know melody, you know. So I like melodic songs you know, yeah, myself melody. personally. I like the energy and all that, but uh, I think songs should have melody. Absolutely. Well, your songs always have done and always do. Yeah, and the lyrics should 
Mm-hmm. And the lyrics should have some content. They should. Why they play Black Knight? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think lyrics you should have something to say uh, in order to get into when you state your case in order to be convincing and singing and getting into singing a song. I need to have something more to say than, than some superficial crap. You know, it's gotta have it, right? Absolutely. So. Therefore, if somebody's talking over a drum beat, they better have something to say too. <laughs> but it's like the punk thing, you know, or like Bob Dylan came after. Uh, you had like Donovan, kind of the the, the uh, girls poet, like all uh, all this kind of fancy uh, sort of uh, poetic stuff, and then Bob Dylan comes out of the left field, like it ain't me, babe, it ain't me you're looking for. He was the punk. He told the truth in people's face, whether they like it or not. And that's that's the thing I think about rock and roll. It's about being an individual and about speaking your mind, speaking truth. It is. It and is. making making people aware of uh, the surroundings, maybe raising some questions or you know, uh, 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 shaking the establishment, you know, uh, yeah. questioning the uh, authorities, and you know, not a rebel without a cause, a rebel without applause, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, right. there's yeah. a there's a you know that's what rock and roll is to me, and that rock and roll has provided me a way of staying myself and being. being the, um, hey, how you doing? All right, cool. Uh, the, uh, the way to be forever young. Hiya. Uh, to stay young forever, you know, together. Because I, I was a kid, I just, I don't want to grow up, you know. I have two older brothers are like, I can't wait till they, they couldn't wait till they're 18 and they can get a car. Cause I don't even want a car. No. I want to stay a kid forever, and uh, yeah. you know, and this is sort of like uh, at least uh, maintain the excitement and the, the wonderment, or like to be excited about stuff and be like, you know, into what I'm doing. I never wanted to become a robot, you know, or, or like remote and. You know, I refuse to become, a, you know, one of those people who just like gets into a routine and goes to, you know, just a nine to five, nine to five, and you know, because I think people before too long you get sick and you you wither away if you don't, you know, you're not happy in your life. So every, every, everyone should find their thing in life and do what they really love doing the most, and I think that's a blessing. And I think uh, we are the creators of everything that's in our lives. You know? Yeah, you're right. So it's like. Most people are given the same cards, you know, yeah, pretty much the same hand, unless you're really unlucky, but yeah. truly, truly unlucky. I mean, there's always somebody who's worse off than you, so I'm, I'm happy, I'm very happy, I'm lucky, I feel, you know, I'm blessed uh, in life. I don't need much to be happy, you know, I never wanted to, I never cared about being a rich millionaire. Money doesn't make you happy anyways. No, it doesn't. No, I know. It's, that. it's, it's, the, it's that. the other things, very it simple doesn't. things. So uh, I'm able to do what I love the most, and I started out on the streets, you know, in Stockholm. We left Helsinki with Hanoi Rocks. We lived on the streets for the first six months. Me, Nasty, and Sammy. And I had nothing. I didn't even have a flat. But I was happy because I, I was a singer in a rock band. That's what I wanted. So I don't even need a flat. I'm happy like this. So I could be making money on the street. Then I, when I got a roof over my head, I got this, rented this room. And, wow, luxury, you know. Yeah. Me and Sammy and Nasty were hanging out, you know, yeah. sitting on the windowsill, listening to Faces and the Stones, having a beer. Wow, we got a flat. Cool, man. <laughs> but then, you know, that's... that's well, Somebody said once, I started out with nothing, I still got most of it left. <laughs> That's an excellent saying. So, if you'd never made it as a musician, what do you think you would have been doing? Well, have I made it? I guess so. Yeah. I, I got my integrity. I would be working as, I, if I wasn't a musician, if there was no music, 
the world would be a pretty boring place, but I might be a cartoonist or something. <laughs> Draw start some kind of form of art. Okay. Where I could, you know... Uh, I'm going to ask you then, have you seen the Dirt movie? Oh, the Motley Crue movie? Yeah. Nah. I never read the book, I never, I'm not interested in that band. Bother. No, why bother? Yeah, because they're really... To me, it's nothing. Uh, I'm not saying this because of uh, the accident or anything like that, but you know, I'm just not interested. It's not my kind of thing. I was never into that band before okay. or, or after uh, the accident. Then it, it was a tragic thing that happened, but uh, I doubt that, it's, doubt that it's truthful to uh, what really went down and stuff. So people are telling me, oh yeah, Razzle's in the movie. Oh yeah. Did they also, did they also mention the two teenagers who got paralyzed from the neck down? What's been the most outrageous thing you've done in the name of rock and roll? Most outrageous thing I've done? Uh, surviving and, and making better records than ever in my career. This day and today. <laughs> I had the best band I've ever had since I started solo. You know, apart from Hanoi Rocks, you know, it was a different thing. But since my solo career started, I had the best band, the best people I could hope for ever. If I could choose from all the people in the world, living or dead, I would choose these guys. Sammy Alpha, Steve Conte, Carl Brockfist and Rich Jones.
one song you wish you had written, which song would that be? I'm just happy for other people's success, so I, I don't wish I'd written any other songs than the ones I've written, you know. I'm pretty proud of some, i say for Steve Bader's, the tribute to Steve Bader's Dead Time Stories on their Demotion 23 album, that, that has uh, about 15 song titles by Steve within the lyrics, which is the concept that he used for, uh, in a song that he wrote for the new, uh, honoring the New York Dolls, the Little Boys Play With Dolls on the first Lost of the New Church album. Remember that one? Uh, that, that was Little Boys. The Babylon kids are just not looking for a kiss. You know, that has like, all these titles. And there's one line in Dead Time Stories that ties them together. It says, hey, trash boy, don't you tell me talking about no dirty arm. So, uh, hey, Jeff, boy, it's too late, uh, too late to repair the harm. So, so there's that line, too late, it's too late to repair the harm. Like a storm before the calm, it's too yeah. late to repair the harm. That is to tie into the Little Boys Play With Dolls with, uh, in, within the lyrics of that time story. So I was pretty proud of that. Because uh, we started, when I was living with Steve in 85, after when Hanoi Rocks broke up, and, uh, uh, you know, I had no friends. It was Steve, a little Steven. He brought Steven in there. And I was just, the only two people I really cared to be with. I was like, this the right place to be and uh, I didn't care about nothing else and to maintain the integrity of Hanoi Rocks not to go and sell out because there were a lot of people wanting to be in the band and the management wanted to keep it going but I said no no no, no. this is not going to be the same so let's leave it you know and with the integrity that's the most yeah. important thing so uh, I was uh, Steve Bader's and little Steven they had songs that really meant something you know the lyrics lots of in the church truth, yeah. the truth is the sword of us all uh, so we, one one night I was playing no chords and Steve came in and said, oh, what's that? It's pretty nice. He started humming it. And the chorus, as a matter of fact, one one, one chorus uh, has the lyrics that go, please don't you go, don't you know, got to stay with me. That was when Steve was showing me, he was teaching me a lot and uh, about songwriting too, how, how to make a song uh, structure or, or chords from a song and make a new melody for it. I mean, you can't just take something blatantly like, some people like well, for example, Andy McCoy was really good at that. Yeah. Listen to back to Mystery Studio. The intro is like the Dead Boys, uh, Third Generation Nation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, 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 and a mental beat is like the Dictator's uh, next big thing wow. <laughs> directly. And uh, that's not the way to rip off songs. I didn't even know that until I heard the Dictators <laughs> at the 10-year anniversary gig in New York. I was like, I was gonna go and say hi backstage, and then I heard, a, wait a minute, this is mental beat. Oh shit! I better not go backstage after this. <laughs> so, so he was showing me uh, Grassroots, which is one of his favorite bands of mine too. They had a song called Where Were You When I Needed You. you know, okay. At the same chord. Where were you when I needed you? Where were you when I wanted you? I took those chords with D to G to, uh, and started singing a different melody. Like, he just made it up there there and then, you know. Please don't you go, don't you know, got to stay with me. So I used those lyrics also because that was the melody for that chorus. So me and Steve wrote that song. After he passed away, I sat down and I wrote the rest of it, and uh -huh. he, was, he was there in spirit. So that was an important song to me, so I'm glad I wrote that uh, with the help of uh, Steve's spirit and uh, and all. Uh, I don't envy other people, so that's why I can't answer the other. I mean, I've seen you on stage a few times now, and you're we're all live wire. There's so much energy in you, you know, and it's just amazing to watch. Do you ever sit down sometimes and watch yourself, or do you rather not watch what you're doing? Uh, some, some things I'd rather not watch, uh, maybe, well, with Hanoi, when I first saw myself on video, the, all those wasted years, I was like, Jesus, I, well, I swear, I was like, going through a really low uh, period in my life, and I was like, I, I was in shock, I was like, is that the way I am? I thought I was horrible. I was like, I almost, I was on my home, I was on a double-decker bus, and I almost passed out, I was like, oh my God, is that what I am? I was really like, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do here, and so I... <laughs> 
So I uh, decided, okay, I'm going to leave all the, all the, you know, uh, whatever drugs were going on at the moment and stuff, and uh, I just I got to clear my head and clear my, you know, really be clear on what I want to do. I was kind of lost, you know, at the time. And, uh -huh. uh, then it was a good thing to work with Bob Ezrin for the next album for Goose from the Move. That really, we really learned a lot, and and Bob was really cool. He, he you know, he invited me to meet him at Dave Gilmore's house in Maida Vale. Really? Said, yeah, and uh -huh. uh, it was it was the same with Dave because he was he was producing David Gilmore's uh, second album, About Face, which is a great record. Uh -huh. At the time he was producing that, and he, that's why he was staying at David Gilmore's house. David wasn't at home though, I never met him, but I saw the house. Oh, right. cool. I'm a big fan of David Gilmore's. He's <laughs> one of the most underrated, one of the top five best guitars of all time. So uh, he, he just invited me to, say, uh, to talk about my performances. He'd come to see us live at Leeds, I think it was, there was this gig, and it was like saying, it was, I mean, Andy was furious because he was, was like, what? Why does he want to meet you? I wrote, I write most of the songs. I said, hey, what, what, what the hell can I do? I don't know. You know so I went. To, the Bob had some points about my performance. Like when, when, when you get people clapping, you know, you then you, you do something else with your hands, and people get confused. So give them time, slowly get them to clap, then put your hands down because they'll follow your hands. Little things like that. Then he said, how, how many, how many times did you go up on the PA? I, said, I don't know. A couple of times, two or three, maybe. I counted seven. <laughs> okay, so then he says, Well, then he loses the impact, you know. But if you got there once, people go, Oh, wow, he's up in the PA. Maybe second time you could do it, but then it loses the impact. So I wouldn't do it more than once or twice at the most. Ah, okay, this is interesting. Great. And then he said, Well, there's one thing, uh, one a little potential problem in the band, but I can deal with it. Uh, he, oh, you mean the other guitarist? Yeah, yeah, and he reminds me of Glenn Boxton in Alice Cooper band, but I can deal with him. <laughs> so he did, and he could. It was great, you know, because uh, I'm not trying to knock Andy, but he was just very, very uh, protective about his stuff, and you know, that's why I never. I mean, I worked on some lyrics and songs, but I never even bothered to ask about credit because he was like. What do you want? You know, it's like so. Uh, you know, temper tantrum. He didn't even take one some ideas of mine, and I say, hey, isn't that? Because he, he had, I had this notebook where I had some ideas. You know, back in the early, very early days, when we were like being on the streets, and I didn't, you know, think of nothing. Is and I, he, he took a part of the song in uh, Cheyenne in the first, on the first album. Uh, sweet, sweet rock and roll playing on the radio. A little bit that I had in a in the song, and I said, wait a minute. And that was one of my songs, and that part was so. Uh, he was like, "What the fuck, temper tantrum?" I was like, "Okay, I'm not. I'm too tired to fight." So what it says on the record, I didn't get a credit. I, I he put in the, on the the credits of the album says "Musical Assistance on Cheyenne" by Michael Monroe. <laughs> okay, well thanks. Anyways, I didn't care about the credit. I just wanted the songs to be as good as possible. So I did a lot of arranging, and and then I was forced to uh, write some lyrics as they were they were finished, and some things I just couldn't sing. Right. <laughs> and for as, as you see. My solo career started, that's when I really came onto my own as a songwriter. And I really, the lyrics are really important to me. With Hanoi, I worked for a while, and Andy had a great imagination, you know. Yeah. Little kid that hadn't been anywhere in the world. Well, he'd been in Stockholm, but he'd never been to 11th Street. He wrote a song called 11th Street Kids, right. and stuff like that. So, and great, he grew up with uh, this, his family moved to Sweden for a while when he was really young, and then they moved back to Finland. So he stayed in Stockholm with this uh, West, West Indian, Jamaican family, and there's this guy Roy, who was the uh, same age as he, and he played guitar. So he learned English there, he learned yeah. to play guitar, and uh, that's, you know, that was cool. Very unusual for a guy that age, a Finnish guy, you know. Right. So he was born in Lapland. Right, know? okay. That's why he's got, you know, the dark, you know, complexion uh -huh. a little bit, uh -huh. you know. So, uh, so yeah.
in any case. Yeah, so I, 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 my solo career, I really came onto my own as a songwriter. And uh, Little Steven was really uh, a part of Steve Bader's. Little Steven's, you know, the Voice of America album, Disciples yeah, yeah. of Soul. Yeah. That was some cool stuff, man. Every song had, like, really, without being too political, it's telling the truth. The truth in people's faces, raising questions, and saying, you know, yeah, rattling yeah. the cage. To all, all the fans and listeners, uh, stay cool, stay true to yourselves, and uh, be happy, enjoy life, and uh, let's keep rock and roll, true, authentic rock and roll alive, because there's not enough of it around anymore, and, uh, you know, passing on the legacy. So, let's remember, it's important. We know a lot of good music, and it's out there to be found. So, yeah, stay cool, be happy, be... Uh, don't hurt anybody and, uh, and don't hurt yourself.